Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, hey welcome guys, to the show. Welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are coming live to you. We're recording live, but coming live to you from YouTube. It's our second week to do this. We had two viewers. Yes, about five minutes ago. One of which was me yes. on my laptop. And the other one dropped off. And the other one dropped off. <laughs> no, but seriously. But we have a platform is the thing. <laughs> we have a platform. Actually, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny. It's like a splinter, really, more than a platform. We would want to interact with you live via YouTube. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but that's... Oh, we don't have anybody now. Yeah, because I shut my laptop oh, out. Oh, that would be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy can see the amount of viewers on his phone. <laughs> and we are at a zero. Someone came to us and left. I kind of am discontent about that. You should be. I'm, I'm angry about it. You know why? Because I can't accept it. Today on Paradox, we are going to talk about discontentment. Which is a really weird sort of an odd thing. But to your point, characterizes our culture. Yes. I mean, it just takes three seconds on Instagram for, for me to be discontent about something. I can remember just as a simple, silly example, but this past summer, we weren't necessarily going to the mountains and we weren't going to the beach. You know, we were home and I was working and mm -hmm. it, it is, it's surprising how quickly that jealousy and the discontentment can crop up from just social media. You know, and if you think about it, it's because, you know, if I get angry at my spouse, it's because I cannot accept what it is that they've done, said, whatever they've not done, whatever they've not said. If I flip off someone in the car, and I never, ever do that, I know you struggle with road rage. But if road rage is a classic example you of... Know, I don't struggle with road rage. You, know, you but just embrace I it. I do like to get back at people. Yes. Well, by tailgating, then I am being God's instrument of correction. Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, their life. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. need that. But you take it from road rage to anger within relationships, within a marriage, low self-worth, low self-esteem. You know, our kids all constantly comparing what was my birthday party as big and exciting as Lulu's big birthday party that I saw on Instagram. We are now in this constant state of comparison, feeling as though we've missed out. And so... In a very, very odd way, acceptance slash contentment is sort of at the core of so many of the ills that we have in our families and in our society. I could take probably nine out of 10 clients that walk through the door and to say, okay, let's talk about acceptance. Let's talk about contentment. What did Paul say? That's what he said in Philippians. He said, you know, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether I've got a lot, whether I've got a little, whether I'm well-fed, whether I'm hungry, I've learned the secret of being content. So 
I thought we would spend our time instead of just going, yeah, we ought to be content. I mean, Paul's been saying that for a couple of thousand years. It hadn't exactly lit a fire under us. So how do we attain that? Because you always say there's nothing. What is the, the, the serenity prayer? You know, the things I can change, the things I can't, the wisdom to tell the difference. What do we do to actually attain contentment? Because that's changing us. That's not changing our spouse, our kids, our job, our circumstance. If we can't change those things, the only thing we can change is us. And the way we change us is to become content, to be able to see these things. And the weird thing, I think, like, you know, you're saying contentment doesn't change our spouse, it changes us. We almost are sat more satisfied in some ways to be discontent and show that to our spouse to hopefully change them. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's almost like, and obviously we wouldn't do it unless we perceived its benefits, but we think discontentment in relationship when we deem it necessary is actually a good and positive yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. So I thought we would cut to the chase and, and see There's these are 10 practical steps. And I want to emphasize practical steps. Are we talking uh, problem first? Or have we already done that? We kind of already did that. I mean, you know, we it, again, it's in our... Our anger with our spouse, anger at our children, anger in the car, anger at work, and, and not just anger, but feeling bad, low self-worth. I mean, just it's sort of this common denominator in all of these ills. Two things I would add. I would say that it takes away from our opportunity to live in the present, living in the now. Discontentment is completely turning our attention and mind's eye to something that occurred in the past or something that we don't believe is going to occur in the future. And so we're not actually living in the now and living in the present. And so it really, in a lot of ways, then leads to uh, in an inauthentic lifestyle. We can't truly be ourselves in a lot of ways when we're caught up in our mind about something that we're discontent about. And so the, the inauthenticity, not being able to live in the now, I see are the, for me, along with the anger that yeah. you're talking about, are huge problems with discontentment. Let's talk practicality. Number one, for us to adopt in and of ourselves and for us to constantly be teaching our children gratitude, gratitude, thankfulness. We say that all the time. We even have a holiday to celebrate our Thanksgiving, but we, in, in practical terms, we do not employ that in our lives, to be grateful for. We can wake up in the morning and somebody not do something that they're supposed to do, be it a child, be it our spouse, and we can become angry at that, be upset at that, instead of everyone in our family, nobody's sick. My, I've got the greatest job in the world. We have this beautiful house. We've got a couple of great cars. We've got, everyone loves God. Everyone's we look at our life, and again, if you look at the rest of the world, the rest 98% of the rest of the world would saw off a limb to live our life. And yet we want to wake up and take the one thing, the one thing that slightly turns us sideways and put all of our focus on that. That is being an ingrate. That is looking at God and saying, I know you've given me 99 things out of 100, but I am PO'd at you that you haven't given me 100% of 100 things that I want. So the first thing is looking at our lives and being overwhelmed with gratitude instead of focusing on the one aspect of our life that irritates us. Number two, stop attempting to fill the discontentment hole 
that's in our heart. Because a better job isn't going to fill it. A bigger house isn't going to fill it. A better car is not going to fill it. More things aren't going to fill it. Nothing else is going to fill it. We try to fill it. It's not fillable. It's a non-fillable. It's a black hole. It's a non-fillable filibuster. I like it. It's a filler buster. Mm, <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, forget that one. So stop attempting to fill this hole, which is what we're doing. We look at our lives and we go, well, our lives are great, but man, if I had that, if I had that job, if I got this, it's always, it's all, we always think that the destination is where the joy is found. Yes. And I, uh, oof, I got to really work on this. I can remember vividly starting in probably middle school. It, the idea was, man, if I could only get to high school you know, and play high school ball, have high school friends, then. And then when you're in high school, it's like, man, college is going to be awesome. And then it was, man, if I can only finish with my, you know, be at my master's and finish that. And if I could only have a big boy job and it's just always. And even with having kids, it's can I fast forward through this infancy stage? And get and to, yes. Yeah. And so you miss out. Again, you're not able to live in the now, but you miss out on so much. I remember, you know, when we were young and you kids were young, just thinking there was this financial, there was a number of zeros that if you ever got this many digits in your salary or your yearly income, boy, then, then, okay, now then, you're rich, son. And I remember the first year we 35K? Went, yeah. And as soon as we hit that one year, I was going, What? What? We're still trying to keep the electricity turned on. How in the world? So it, 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 it simply can't be. That is why he's called the father of lies and the deceiver with a capital D, trying to convince us that once we get that, achieve that, get there, then, now then, at that point, we will be happy. So number two, stop attempting to fill that discontentment hole that's in our heart. Number three, Stop comparing. And I think we've always done that. But with social media today, it is out of freaking control. Comparing ourselves, comparing our vacations, comparing what our children are wearing, comparing their birthday cakes, comparing the shoes we're wearing, comparing where we go out to eat and whether this barbecue is better than that. We're living in this constant state of comparison. And we're like adults. Our children, hear me when I say, have never known anything else but comparing their clothes, their acne, their, their car, their house. Our kids live in a constant state of comparison. And as long as we're comparing ourselves with other people, any aspect of ourselves to other people, we cannot be content. We cannot accept life exactly as it is. And with comparison, I would I would add the importance of living below your means. And a lot of times that's obviously applied financially, but that can be relationally, that can be our schedule, that can be the clothes that we wear, the food or eating out. That can be literally any aspect of our life living below what we maybe see in everybody else on social media or at school or at church. I think maybe the only area in our lives that maybe we shouldn't attempt to live below our means, 
uh, would be giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be giving generously of our time as well as our finances. But the idea of being content with where we're at and purposely living below our means, I think, is big. And not just not just being content. You know, when we th- say the word content, it's just like, well, okay, I'll be content. It's not as much that as much it is, I, I have joy in this. I don't need anything else but what I have right now. And you led into number four, and that is giving. How do we achieve contentment? Giving. Uh, uh, d- 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 fuzzy hair. Also the grouch. Uh, uh, died in 1982. Carrot Top. Christian Music. Uh, Michael W. Smith. Uh, st- um, Rich Mullins. Had a beard. You um, put this love in my heart. You put this love in my heart. Bump. Asleep uh, in the light. Alabama. I got a Keith Green. Okay. When Keith Green said, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. Giving gets our eyes off of ourself. Whether that is going to a food line, whether that's you know giving of our resources, so one of the great ways of being content with what we have is to associate with people who really don't have anything. So number four is giving to others. And by the way, this is an aside. You can't remember to put on your underwear some days, but you remember the year Keith Green died? Oh, nineteen eighty-two. Oh yeah, huh. with his children in the private plane. What year was I born? I don't know. Seriously though. That's not important, Josh. <laughs> we're trying to be we're trying to be content and I'm content. You were born in 1982, yeah, November 16th. Nice. That took you some time. That took you some time. But it's only because 1982 is the death of Keith Green. <laughs> not the birth of my son. Go ahead. Uh so number five, and by the way, I think probably we could do a whole nother episode on the other five. Sure. So we'll just do these five. So we talked about how to institute gratitude, stop attempting to fill the dis, you know, discontent hole that's in your heart, stop comparing, especially social media, giving to others. These are all ways in which we can instill contentment in our kids and in our home. And number five, recognize and reject cognitive distortions that run through our families. I'm not good enough. This sucks, but I don't want to. I mean, things of this nature we say over and over and over and over again until we start thinking that it's true. And these are, they're, they're called cognitive distortions for a reason. They, it's distorted thinking. It's stinking. Thinking. Yes, it's stinking thinking. So we've got to recognize when we're saying these things to ourselves or even when we're, we're allowing our children to say this. I don't like this lunch. This sucks. And to stop and pause and take their lunch that you prepared, put it in the trash, go get them some rice and boil it and hand it to them after it's cold and give them a half a glass of warm water. Please, sir, I want some more. Yes. Teaching them that this, but if we say this long enough, then our children will start to think it's true. Sure. True. We will begin as as a couple, we'll start thinking that some of these things that we're discontent about are true. So we've got to watch the cognitive distortions and reject them. I would say this on contentment before we close down. Contentment is a 
above and regardless of circumstances. That we can be content while we're sad. We can be content while we're happy. We can be content while fearful and going through the worst of circumstances. We can find contentment with cancer. We can Mm -hmm. find contentment in no matter the situation. And so it supersedes our experiences. And that's why this is so important. When we talk about, or when one talks about biblical joy, it is found through contentment. And that is not, I think in America or Western civilization, or maybe just as humanity, we think contentment is laziness. And that's not at all what we're talking about. We have to achieve contentment. And yet... But that's what we're taught. What's that? Never be content. Yeah. Never. Keep driving. Work your rear end off to get out of whatever situation you're in, but with your heart, with your mind, in relationship, put your head on the pillow at night, contempt, able to sleep. Very nice. So this is the first half of, and I know y'all are just going to listen and go, oh, they've all gone Buddhist on us. And this is not some Zen concept that we're talking about. We're trying to say that contentment which is this bland word. It's this, it's almost like, you know, we're taught in business and in sports, you're never satisfied. You're never, you got to keep driving. You got to be number one. This is so antithetical to the American experience. And yet that's one of the reasons I think that the church is impotent. I think that the faith in our homes is, uh, is, is impotent, is this lack of contentment, lack of being able to accept the wisdom of God that, that this is the way things are for a reason. So we've covered the top five, gratitude, stop attempting to fill the hole, stop comparing, giving to others, recognizing and rejecting these cognitive distortions that we say to ourselves. Next week, we'll come back together and we'll talk about the other five. Yeah, it's contentment is certainly something that can save your marriage and it can also save your kids from heartache, not only in adolescence, but also adulthood. Oh, so really, I've got heartache by the number. Is this Keith Green? Troubles by the score. Jimbo, you I, were not very funny today. You were way too serious. I just sang an old Ray Price song. Hmm. Okay. Boring. You're right. That wasn't funny. That was awesome. <laughs> if you want more information about this episode, three or four more steps to take if this hit home for you. Then go to ParadoxPodcast.com. You can find the show as well as myself and Jimmy on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter on those as well. Every day you love me less. Each day I love you more. Oh, I've Guys, got have a good rest of your day. See you. By the number. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to TherapyWithBilly.com. For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Yeah, so Dad's hired. Uh, I stumbled into this. I, I, I had no intention of starting any kind of online community. My wife and I had gone through a really rough, crappy season about three and a half years ago in our own marriage. And I was just really feeling like a terrible husband and a dad. And I didn't, I I wasn't processing it very well. I was really pulling away from my wife and pulling away from my family and just being, I was just, I was being really lame. 